The Titans play the Atlanta Falcons in their Oilers uniforms at home this weekend. We are going to preview all of it. This is the Music City Audible. Let's get to it. We the ones they talking about. Broadway Sports Media. Justin and Justin Titans podcast show. Some of it was bad, but hopefully you'll you probably piece something together. Outstanding. There's an earthquake in the middle of the podcast. Unbelievable. We're begging for listeners. That's all we do. We all we got. Hey, Titans on three. One, two, three. Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Music City Audible podcast presented by Broadway Sports Media in partnership with 440 Sports. I'm Justin Graver, and with me, as always, is Justin Mello, and we are here talking today about a Titan season that is pretty much over. Am I getting ahead of myself there? <laughs> you are getting ahead of yourself, and I usually don't come in like this, but I'm going to say one thing right off the bat here. Um, I, I look and I'm not changing my mind. I don't think the Titans are a good football team. I don't think they're going to make the playoffs. But if you look at Sunday's action and the Titans were not playing, but if you look at what happened around the league on Sunday, I think it was a bit of a stark reminder of how this is a week to week league and why Mike Vrabel and the coaching staff have to have faith that they could turn their season around. Number one, that's the job. Right. Their job is to find solutions to turning this season around. So they're going to try to do that. Right. Of of course, that's what they have to do. But if you look at the action around the league, I mean, you had the Denver Broncos, who I think are just putrid, beating the Green Bay Packers. Um, You have the Chicago Bears. The Packers are pretty bad, too. Packers lost to a Raiders team a couple weeks ago that just got you're about to get to that one i'm sure i'm about to get to that one as you know but hey but i thought the packers were a lot better than the broncos entering okay. that like the broncos are like worst of the league bad you know what i yeah, mean like yeah, yeah. so that that one qualifies is worth mentioning you had the uh the chicago bears with a backup quarterback a d2 quarterback making his first career start shout out to tyson bajan by the way who i featured a lot throughout the pre-draft process nice um beating the raiders right and and, the bears left for dead right like not going to win another game this year number one pick in the draft moving on from justin fields well maybe if they move on for fields it's for tyson bajan right i'm kidding off but like just the new york giants who allowed what approximately 77 points per game in their first three games beat the commanders and are now one game out of uh, sorry a game and a half out of the wild card spot yeah like that's the job, right? You've got to believe you have a chance, right? And it's week to week league. We're always riding the, especially the Titans, right? We're always riding the roller coaster. So, no, the season's not over quite yet because, as you saw on Sunday, anything can happen, and they've got to try to fight for their season. Titans sit now at two and four. The Jacksonville Jaguars are five and two atop the AFC South. Texans three and three, Colts three and four. So the Titans are still last in the division, which I don't think anyone really saw coming this the, the, before this season. At this point, I, I definitely wouldn't have expected them to be here. And it was also a huge week, as you were just talking about, for backup quarterbacks. Can we go through them really quick? Tyson Bajan, Brian Hoyer, Aiden O'Connell got in there. Gardner Minshew, P.J. Walker played a lot. Tyrod Taylor, who am I missing? Because there was a ton of backup quarterbacks playing around the league. Josh Dobbs still counts because Kyler Murray's a starter. Desmond Ritter should be a backup at some point. (laughs) (laughs) Um, And it could be a big week for backup quarterbacks in Tennessee as well. Now, as we record this podcast today, we have no idea if Ryan Tannehill is going to try to gut out his ankle injury and play through that. 
if the Titans are going to rely on Malik Willis as they did in relief of Tannehill against the Ravens, or if it's going to be the debut of rookie Will Levis. There are there was a report out there from like sources that I do not trust at all that said Will Levis will start. Now this guy called Clowney to the Titans. And uh, he he nailed a couple. He's nailed a couple of things in his past, but I also think he's just one of those guys that throws shit at the wall. You and sure, hopes. it was the same guy. Uh, he he had it. He had it at some point. Um, but yeah, it could be just like throwing shit at the wall and hoping okay. something sticks. Um, I mean, yeah, even if he's right, he was probably throwing shit at the wall yeah. and seeing if it sticks. Right? Like, just, there's no way. <laughs> I'm just throwing it out there. Like we don't know yet as the time of this recording, but. Still hoping it's Will Levis. But anyway, we should preview the Atlanta Falcons from a team standpoint. We're going to avoid the starting quarterback discussion and then check the channel, the Music City Audible. Make sure you're subscribed there, the YouTube channel. We're going to put out a video later this week once we know, if we find out, I guess, who the starting quarterback will be, uh, breaking down what we're expecting to see there. So let's get into this game. The Atlanta Falcons kicking a last-second field goal to beat the uh, their division rivals there, um, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. What have you seen from the Falcons this year, Justin? What are we looking for from this Titans team? Because I'll just tell you right off the bat, Desmond Ritter is stinky. <laughs> well, I have a lot of thoughts entering this game. First of all, I think that was a really big win for the Falcons on Sunday. I think that was really big. I mean, they, they entered, what, three and three, I believe. And they've sort of been that throughout Arthur Smith's tenor, right? Like they've been just below a 500 at 500. And I think this win... And, and it's premature, but it sort of may decide where their season is going, right? Because in all honesty, I, the Bucks have looked like the best team in the division going into this one, even with Baker Mayfield, who's been pretty effective for them at quarterback most of this season. And I thought the Bucs were going to win this game. You know, they've been the better team. They were at home. I thought they were going to take sole control of the division, essentially, with this win. For Atlanta to go on the road, and pull out this victory, a three-point win, as you said, and now be first place in the division. They're 2-0 and now uh, in the NFC South this year. This could be a statement-defining win for them and that they are ready to win more than seven games. That's what they've won in back-to-back years under Arthur Smith, by the way. And, and, and be ready to take that next step with a young quarter, with a young roster, right? I mean, a second-year receiver, a third-year tight end, a first-year running back, a second-year quarterback, like a really young, exciting, or should be exciting offensive supporting cast, at least based on the pure talent of the weapons that are around Desmond Ritter. And they overcame some adversity in this game, right? Like Ritter fumble, had a brutal fumble at the one-yard line. Uh, you had the Drake-London is it a touchdown? Is it a touchback? Is it out of bounds? Like a three-way potential yeah. call ended up being a, 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 a out of bounds, which was the most boring option of the three. But then I think <laughs> the Falcons fumbled like one or two plays later. Desmond Ritter, Desmond Ritter reaching out for the ball and a great play by the uh, Antoine Winfield to knock that out yeah. literally as he was so, crossing the goal line. Yeah. When I watch this Falcons team, by the way, it's kind of funny. I feel like, and it's it, you know Arthur Smith is there as we said. I feel like they're the Tennessee Titans of the NFC, right? Like, and it goes beyond, um, you know, obviously the connections with Smith, the the many connections on the roster, right? Like the tight end room. Logan Woodside, Johnu Smith, Michael Pruitt, Michael Pruitt. Bud Dupree. <laughs> yeah, like, and you go years past, Anthony Ferkser was there recently. Yeah. Like, I think Breon Borders might be there now or was there at one point. Like, 
they, they've had so much connection to the Titans rock. Wasn't uh, the uh, Rashawn Evans was there a couple of years ago. I think yeah. had like a hundred tackles for them. Dean Pease was the defensive coordinator for yes, a year correct, or two. That's yeah. correct. Uh, the Pease's kid was on the coaching staff, right? The one that was here in Tennessee as well. Like we can go on and on, but when I say that, they sort of win ugly, right? When they win, like this is not a convincing team. It feels like Arthur Smith has almost adopted Mike Rabel's mantra, so to speak, on how to approach professional football, right? Like, and again, they've been hamstring hamstrung by some of the same things the Titans are, right? Like they don't have great quarterback play. They've got a really good running back. Now, you know, they have a good offensive line now. The Titans don't have, but had once upon a time. Yeah. They want to run the football. They want to play quality sound defense and try to just out ugly you to the finish line, right? Like that's the way they're playing. And this might not be in relation to previewing the game, but I just want to say, and I've thought this the whole time, Falcons fans, I mean, you could find fans in every market, but they don't seem to love Arthur Smith. I see a lot of complaining of Arthur Smith. And look, back-to-back seven-win seasons will do that right for you, right, to, to a degree. But yeah. I think Arthur Smith has done an outstanding job with that team. Like, when he inherited that roster, the first year and last year, which was the second year, neither of them looked like seven-win teams on paper. They looked worse than that. He outperformed the expectations, much like Mike Vrabel often does, to get that team to seven win seasons, okay? And look at some of the bullshit he's had to deal with. When he got there, immediately trading Julio Jones to the Titans, and they traded Matt Ryan. Okay, those worked out well for them but from a roster-building perspective, but guess what? Two largest dead cap hits. Like, they couldn't do any. I think Matt Ryan had the largest dead cap, dead cap hit, excuse me, in football history. Yeah. Like they essentially couldn't do anything. They tried to trade for Deshaun Watson, by the way, yep. failed at that, which led to the Ryan trade in in a way because it sort of soured the relationship with him. Like they couldn't do anything in free agency. No court, like the Calvin Ridley suspension doomed their receiver room right after yeah. losing Julio Jones. Like the shit that Arthur Smith had to deal with that first year, that second year, they had no cap space even entering last year. They couldn't do any. This year was the first year. They had cap space. And by the way, they made some good moves. Jesse Bates in free agency has been really good for them. Yeah. Uh, Jeff Okuda, they took a flyer on. He's, you know, playing quality football as a number two, number three corner type. Like this, like Arthur Smith's done an outstanding job with the shit card he was dead. You didn't even mention he had to start Marcus Mariota last year. <laughs> well, that's a result of them having no money. They had I nothing know. to do at quarterback, right? Like, Took a flyer on Desmond Ritter in the third round, I think it was, the early portion of the third round. Took him ahead of Malik Willis, by the way. So it'll, it'll always be somewhat fun to compare their careers directly to one another. Um, but it's an interesting map. Go on. They're both bad. <laughs> You're probably not wrong. <laughs> but I will say the Falcons probably made the right decision. And I do think Ritter has been a little better than Malik Willis has been, just my my opinion. I mean, Ritter starting games for them. They're above 500 it is what it is, but uh, it's just, it makes for a very intriguing matchup, doesn't it? Cause they're so similar. Their approaches that regardless of who the Titans have at quarterback on Sunday, um, neither of them are, are like I'm comparing, sorry, that quarterback compared to Desmond Ritter, neither of them are the type of quarterback that can elevate a team, right? Like they're trying to operate within structure. The Falcons certainly trying to lean on, although Bijan Robinson apparently had some stomach bug flu, Weird situation there where he was essentially benched for all of that game on Sunday and relied on uh, Tyler Algier, who is a pretty good backup running back. But 
It's such an intriguing matchup because they're so similar. The approaches to how they want to play are so similar. The Falcons' defense this year is much improved. I think a lot of that has to do with personnel, right? They finally had money to go out and sign a bunch of free agents. Uh, and they get better after Dean Pease leaves, right? They got a new defensive coordinator this year. But I think a lot of that is personnel-related. Um, even what's the old – Jesus Christ, how does the name escape me now? You know, uh, Calais Campbell, my God, like in his, what, 16th, whatever year he's yeah. in. Is playing really good football for them still. Like finally a running mate for Grady Jarrett on the inside. They've never been able to surround him with with talented running mates. Uh, it's just such an intriguing matchup to me because these two teams are so so similar. Falcons are are twelfth in total yard uh, offensive yards per game, eighth in rushing yards per game, but they are one of the seven teams scoring fewer points per game than the Tennessee Titans. They are the fourth worst scoring team. 16.4 points per game. So it'll be it's interesting they're piling up yards but then they're not getting in the end zone. Sounds like the Titans, although the Titans exactly. aren't necessarily piling up yards. They're also just not a very good team. Um Falcons defense very good as you mentioned they've been playing very good football. They are allowing the seventh fewest yards per game uh overall, so it's going to be a tough challenge here. I think this is like you said Two teams that want to play the same style of football, it's going to be a, a fast game in terms of the clock because they're both going to run the ball. They're both going to punt it a lot. It's going to be like a 13 to 10 ish type of game, which is what the Falcons have been doing all year. They got uh, four, four wins playing basically that style of football. They have four wins and they're averaging 16 points a game. So That's crazy. defense is playing lights out for them. And against the Titans, I mean, Titans offense is just such a struggle to watch at this point and now we don't know who the quarterback is going to be so what I'm looking for in this game I want to see Will Levis I feel like it's still going to be Malik Willis but I want to see the Titans just like take advantage of opportunities we've seen it in if you look at all these stats that are out there there's one that came out the other day that was like percentage of wide open misses or something like percentage of big plays missed or some stat that had ranked all the quarterbacks by the percentage of missed opportunities and Ryan Tannehill was like third or fourth on that list as in the worst way like third most missed opportunities so if whoever's playing quarterback they got to take advantage of opportunities because there will be some there Tim Kelly is using motion at the snap at the 10th highest rate in the NFL that's something you love to see. Throws the defense off, gives your offense a chance to maybe identify some passing coverages, and it also like moves linebackers and safeties around, causes miscommunication on the defensive end. We've seen the Dolphins find a ton of success this year uh, because of that motion at the snap concept. And yes, the Dolphins got killed by Philadelphia, but that is neither here nor there. Um, so in this game, make Desmond Ritter make a mistake and take advantage of opportunities. I think this is one of those games that where converting in the red zone is going to be everything because both teams are struggling in the red zone and the Titans particularly have struggled in the red zone. But when, you, when you're in a low-scoring battle like this is likely going to be, the difference between seven points and three points, even on just one or two trips to the red zone, is probably the difference in the game. So get the running game going and convert when you get down there. Yeah, and speaking of the running game, uh, I, I had broke news on Twitter earlier this afternoon, Titans signing Jonathan Ward to the practice squad, a guy that was with them in camp, uh, you know, had a chance to make the roster, then got hurt. So, you know, didn't, didn't work out for him. But Titans clearly like him. He was there last year. Uh, they worked him out twice in recent weeks, by the way, twice. So very clearly wanted him back, 
just wanted to make sure he was healthy enough to come back after mm. he suffered an injury in the preseason. So obviously with this second workout, the latest workout, which occurred late last week, obviously liked what they saw healthy enough to bring him back. Julius Chestnut is on IR, um, which is, you know, potentially why they're making this move, bringing in a third running back. And I've had lots of mentions already saying they're trading Derrick Henry, aren't they? They're trading Derrick Henry, aren't That's why they're adding another running back. I mean, I don't know, kind of grasping at straws, right? Like we don't know if that's what it means, but I wouldn't be surprised if Ward is active on Sunday um, with the Titans potentially going very, uh, you know, run heavy in this game. He's also a good, uh, you know, check down guy coming out of the backfield. So yeah. if there is a young quarterback in there. He'll give them options. Of course, Tajay Spears plays that role. But you're right. I expect this to be a Derrick Henry type game, right? And for Atlanta, it'll be a Bijan Robinson, Tyler Algier, or Corderell Patterson type game, yeah. right? They use all three of their backs as we saw on Sunday. And you know, Patterson probably played more because of the Bijan injury or, or the flu, whatever it was. But I do expect that all three backs will be involved for Atlanta. And I expect two to three backs to be involved for the Titans in this one. And certainly I think Derrick Henry is uh, potentially looking at a, a season high amount of carries in this one. Yeah. Anything else on this game? Should we do some quick trade deadline talk and then get to our predictions? Yeah, let's add, let's have some deadline chatter for sure. I wrote an article last week and I've got more that I'd add to it. So let's talk about it. Yeah, I like your take here. And uh, I'll just I'll throw it to you in a second. I'll just cover some reports that are out there. Diana Rossini, who we know has sources in the Titans building somehow because she's always breaking stuff, um, has been saying that the Titans are taking calls for Derrick Henry but not interested in the offers they're receiving. Um, there's a report out there that they were offered like a 2024 third and a 2024 fifth or something. And if that's true, I don't know how you don't take that. I know that's far in the future, but two draft picks, including a day two pick for your aging 30 year old to be in December running back. I feel like you got to take that one, but they say they're not interested in those offers. Apparently a team has reached out about Traylon Burks, but the Titans are not interested in trading any of their young players. And then Kevin Byard is a name that's being thrown around a lot as somebody that could receive potential interest. Um, But your bold take, the headline of your article, I'm throwing it to you to cover real quick. Yeah, I mean, I I wrote an article singling out three veterans uh, the Titans should consider trading. And I I did. And look, what I said about Derrick Henry is I don't write this lightly, but they're not in a position to turn down draft capital for aging players, right? It's it's that simple. And, And look, I said this on radio last week. I was on Nashville Sports Radio on Friday. Um, I, I think sometimes when we talk about trading Derrick Henry, we do forget that there's like a human element to this, right? Players are not just names and assets. And like, he's one of the greatest players in Titans franchise history, right? He just became their second all-time leading rusher, surpassing the great Earl Campbell, right? Yeah. He's second to only Eddie George, right? Like we're face of the franchise type talent. Uh, you don't just trade players like that without considering the human element to it, right? Like I, I get why it's not something the Titans are just going to say, okay, we'll take whatever offer comes and yada, yada, right? And, and with the third round pick offer you talked about, I get, I get what you mean, but I can also see why they're disappointed by that. He's one of the best running backs in the NFL. He is yeah. a game changer for a postseason contender. I, I understand why they feel like they should get a second rounder for him. I really do. If you're the Baltimore Ravens, you know, who looked really good and, you know, but you're getting middling results out of, you know, Justice Hill, Gus Edwards, whatever the hell else you have. You're the Los Angeles Rams, you know, now Kyron Williams is out long-term. You're, you know, you're one of these, the Buffalo Bills who don't look very good offensively. Like 
there are teams that should trade for Derrick Henry before they march into the postseason, right? And I think a second round pick is very fair, especially if you're one of those teams that's expecting to pick in the late 50s, early 60s of the second round, right? Yeah. I can, I can get yeah. why the Titans feel like that's what they should get. But as I said, ultimately, I do believe if they get a good offer for him, yes, they should trade him because he's on an expiring contract. He's 30 years old, as you said, 30 whatever years old he is, declining all in that December. stuff. He'll be 30 in December. He'll be 30 in December, so I'm a month and a half away. All that stuff is true, although I will say, I like when I, I hate using the word declining because I feel like he still looks very, very good. And I put the majority of his struggles on the offensive line not being able to block for by in December, I mean on January 4th, which is not December, but basically December. <laughs> this season. The season won't be over, put it that way. Right. Week 18, I think, is January 9th or 10th or whatever it is. But, yeah, um, yeah if they get a good offer, they, they should do it, right? Like, we we understand the situation they're in. They're, they need picks to rebuild this thing. And they don't have, what is it? They don't have a third rounder next year or a second rounder as a result of the, I think it's a third rounder as a result of the Will Levis trade. They don't have a fifth rounder either. Right. So that they need picks. They need picks for whatever to try to support whatever young quarterback is going to be the starter next year. But again, I, I add the caveat to it. Don't uh, don't totally remove the human element from it. It's very difficult to trade a player like Derrick Henry, who's one of the best in franchise history. I understand why it's not easy. Right. It also doesn't send a great message to your building. Right. You're essentially giving up on the season. Yeah. which we've talked about Mike Vrabel's not one to do. But there are other guys they should look to trade as well. It's not just Derrick Henry, right? Like, if they can get anything for Dina Coatry, they, that's one That's one I do with my eyes closed. You know what I mean? Because he ain't coming back next year. His timeline doesn't line up with the development no. of the young players, yeah. No, and it's he's on an expiring deal. Tier Tart, I don't know you get much for him, a fifth or sixth probably, but that's a no-brainer to me because I don't think he's coming back based on what we think we know regarding yeah. the relationship between the two parties. Kristen Fulton, I can't imagine they get anything for him, but uh, you know, a, a fifth for six swap, a six for seven swap, a conditional, whatever it is, they should take it because they're not re-signing him. And there are others too, like Kevin Byard is probably the second biggest one, right? And he's not on an expiring deal. I get that. But again, I'm not sure the timeline lines up. Yeah. And he's right? not like playing you- great football this year. I'm not saying he's bad, but I mean... You're right. He hasn't. Yes. He's your leader of the defense, and him and Jeffrey Simmons. I'll give you that. But you're relying on these guys to like every week. It's like somebody go make a play. And I don't. I can't remember sitting here right now the time that this season Kevin Byard has gone and made a play. And I'm not saying that's necessarily his fault. I mean, I, right. I love Kevin Byard. I'm not trying to blame or anything. Yep. But I think at this point in there in his career, and then where the Titans are at this season, if you can get back some capital. For a team that doesn't have, like you mentioned, a third-round pick, doesn't have a fifth-round pick, and doesn't have a sixth-round pick next year. They do have two sevenths, but they don't have a third, fifth, or sixth next year. Get some capital because you can't you can't rebuild your roster if you don't have draft picks to rebuild it with. And I've been forecasting the deal to the Eagles, potentially, between Byron and the Eagles, dating back to the offseason when they asked them to take a pay cut. I thought it was very obvious. Like, look, the Eagles value safety play. They traded for a C.J. Gardner-Johnson right, a year ago or so when they wanted to upgrade their safety play. Now, they couldn't afford to re-sign him. They let him walk in free agency. Who did they replace him with? They, they used an early pick on him on one Sidney Brown 
uh, Canadian, by the way, coming out of <laughs> Illinois. Shout out Canada. Uh, and they and Reed Blankenship, you know, is, is an ascending guy. He's playing quality football for them. They signed Terrell Edmonds in free agency to a low-cost deal. They lost the other starter, too, by the way, Marcus Epps. So they were tasked with replacing both starters. Um, they value safety play. They're not getting, you know, great play out of Terrell Edmonds. Sidney Brown just not ready to play heavy, heavy workload. It just makes so much sense to me to send him to Philadelphia. And I imagine the – and uh, Diana Rossini, by the way, in that piece, said the Eagles are looking for a safety. Yeah, Like that's sense. the one that makes the most sense to me. Yeah. So we'll see what happens. Trade deadline is October 31st. That is next Tuesday at 4 p.m. Eastern, 3 p.m. Central Time. So we may not get a chance to record again before that. Um, right. The reason we don't have – yeah, the reason we don't have our typical guest this week is because I'm still traveling. I'm back in Houston for the ALCS here. Game 7 is tonight, so I don't know when I'm going to have a chance to edit and put this out. But as of the time of recording this, Game 7 is tonight. The best two words in sports, right? Game 7. We'll see how that goes. Um, so that'll be exciting. Justin, any more thoughts here? Should we give our game predictions and wrap this up? Yeah, I'm gonna, let's get into our predictions. Man, this is... This is tough. Uh, we don't know who's starting at quarterback yet, but as you said, if you're <laughs> listening to this, you're watching this, hopefully you're watching. Make sure you yeah. check the channel out later in the week. We will have a video breakdown on the Titans starting quarterback announcement. Whether it's Tannehill, Willis, or Levis, we will come at you with another video uh, later this week. I'm going to reluctantly predict the Titans win, even though I don't know who the <laughs> quarterback is. Um mm. I just think with an extra week to prepare, you know, they've, they've typically been good coming off the bye. I don't think the Falcons are an outstanding football team by any stretch of the imagination. They're going to be riding a high right after that big road victory. And sometimes the universe just course corrects itself. And this is going to sound like really stupid logic, but are the Atlanta Falcons a five and three football team or are they in four and four football team? Right. I think they're probably a four and four football team is the way I lean with all due respect. And I, I, I wish them all the success. I love Arthur Smith down there. Um, but the Tides extra week to, to prepare. Again, I think the Falcons are kind of due for a letdown after you know winning as road dogs in Tampa Bay. They're road favorites, by the way, by one point right now. It's essentially a pick them, but they are still favorites, which you don't see a lot. Right. You don't yeah. see many road favorites. So. I going Titans 16-13. Doesn't matter who nice. that quarterback, my prediction will stand. Yeah, and that's the score that the Falcons won by this weekend. And I'm going to use some of your logic as well because I feel like the Titans are a lot closer to a 3-4 and four football team than they are to a 2-5 and five total bottom feeder. Like, we don't think the Titans are good, but are they a 2-5 and five level team? We'll find out, I guess, because they you could be. You probably hope are. they are. You are what your record says you are. And yeah, you you do hope they are for the sake of drafting, I don't know, Marvin Harrison Jr. or whoever next year. Um, but I also think playing in the Oilers uniforms for the home crowd is an emotional boost for this team. They're going to want to play well in those uniforms. Not that they don't want to play well every week. It's kind of stupid logic. But I feel like there's an extra unaccounted for, uncalculable boost that you get from playing in those uniforms so i also am going to say the titans win i think desmond ritter it's going to come down to desmond ritter making a few too many mistakes jeffrey simmons strip sack kind of game and uh, i'll say the titans win 17 13 so oh, you're, you're, you're just prices right me you just go one dollar <laughs> above 
<laughs> I did. All right, that'll do it for this episode. I got to run. I got to go uh, do a breakfast production meeting before I get my day started here in Houston. So um, thanks, everyone, for watching and listening, but especially for watching. Make sure, again, you're subscribed to the Music City Audible. Follow Justin at JustinM underscore NFL. Follow me at Titans Film Room. We'll be back next week sometime because I'll be still on the road covering the World Series. So TBD on when we'll be back, but we will be back to recap this game. Until then, y'all stay safe out there and tighten up. A Broadway Sports Media Production.